Hello, and welcome to Real-Time Strategy, a podcast all about the gaming industry, except when it's on not. I'm going to use it as my <laughs> tag phrase from now on. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Caitlin Redwing, joined once again by my ever-wonderful co-host, Sam Mosier. And joined today for the first time, longtime podcast listener and fellow trip <laughs> pointer, Melanie Gazazian. Uh, thank you. So, or Mel, as I see her, her name is on the, under her camera there. But thank you so much for joining us today, Mel. I'm so excited to be here. Yay. Yeah, today we're going to talk about TwitchCon, which Mel and I both attended over the weekend. We'll have a little bit of spoiler-free talk on Spider-Man, um, and then whatever else we fancy and comes up. But yeah, Mel, as you know, as you listen to our podcast, we always ask our guests a get-to-know-you question. Uh, we have two for you, but yeah, the first one is, what is your favorite game of all time? I have two, but I'm going to pick one, um, and it's going to be Fallout 4. Uh, this was one of the first games that I actually sat down and finished. Um, it was one of my favorite experiences because I had watched uh, people play Fallout Las Vegas. I had watched our new, new Vegas. We were just in Las Vegas. Um, <laughs> and then I loved the, um, the mobile game Fallout Shelter. So I've always nice. been a big Fallout fan. But um, Fallout 4 has like a very, very special place in my heart. And then the second one is uh, Pokemon Pearl. It was the first, actually not the first, but one of my favorite um, Pokemon games growing up. Nice. Any uh, any thoughts on Fallout 76? No, no, no. <laughs> Simply no. It's just, it was one of those things where like, I was so excited about that game. Um, and I had waited to buy it and I'm so glad I didn't buy it. Um, I had bought it in like a bundle after the fact and, um, I, I don't have very many hours in it. So it's unfortunate, but Fallout 4 is still my favorite of the franchise. Same. Two, two follow-up questions, one for each game. Mel, uh, this week, Amazon announced that the Fallout TV series is coming out next spring. Are you excited for it? I'm so excited, but I'm so nervous. I really <laughs> want them to do a good job. Like, I love the genre. It's one of the reasons that I love Fallout 4 so much. Um, and the Fallout franchise as a whole, like, it's one of the more unique art styles and, like, approaches to that time frame. Um, at least in my opinion. I, I had so much fun exploring it, and I'm so excited to see it come to life. Um, I have a feeling they're going to pull a lot of like WandaVision type stuff mm. um, with how they kind of set it up with the setting. Like I, it's, I'm, I'm so excited, but I really hope they do a good job because like I would, I would hate to have yet another not fun entry in one of my favorite franchises. <laughs> <laughs> I have faith in jonathan nolan and lisa joy I, I like i have my issues with westworld but at least at an, an aesthetic and productions like perspective that show is so well done so i hope they can bring at least that panache to fallout on amazon what were you gonna say caitlin i literally that <laughs> i was <laughs> about to bring Our up minds. westworld and jonathan nolan and lisa joy and as yeah i i think the, the aesthetic almost of westworld is a really good fit for fallout. So, you know, with, uh, Geneva Robertson, uh, Dorette, that may not be how to say that last name and Graham Wagner serving as executive producers and writers and co-showrunners. Like maybe it's a little bit different. It's not just the entire Westworld team. Um, but yeah, I, I think Amazon has a good mix of people behind, behind the show right now. And I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Me too, especially because I think this is Amazon's like first big foray into video game adaptations, unless I'm mistaken. Oh, no, I think I'm thinking of the I'm, Tomb Raider series. So nothing that's yeah, out. Yeah, I want to say yet. you're right, Sam. Because I know they have a couple in the works, like you said, Tomb Raider. I w there were also rumors of a God of War series going to Amazon. I don't know yeah. if that was ever confirmed. But regardless, while Caitlin looks that up, the other follow-up question I had for your favorite games, Mel, was Pokemon Pearl. What was your starter? Oh, gosh. Um, I switched every single time. 
<laughs> I've played through that game so many times. I literally, I don't think, yeah, I don't think I had like a, a main starter. I was, I'm always a fire type girl. So I always went fire type first, but I've played through. Yeah. Yeah. I think Piplup was my secondary favorite. Piplup? Was that? I yeah, Piplup. Piplup's yeah, so yeah, cute. Yeah, Pip- yeah. yeah. I was confusing I it with Oshawott, who was in the next gen, I think. Uh, my yeah. my Pokemon gen knowledge is, is painful now because I haven't played in so long. But um, <laughs> yeah, Pearl, what? I have I'm vivid. Like, Asha who? I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That was good. That was a good setup for you there. <laughs> but yeah, loved, um, loved playing Pearl. So many, so many fond memories. Yeah, that's a good yeah. one. I agreed. Same. And there is a God of War series in the works, but there's no no timeline attached to it. Um, but the showrunner is currently um, maybe Rife Judkins, Rafe Judkins from The Wheel of Time. Uh, oh. Yeah. Also worked on the, well, worked on the adaptation for Uncharted, which depending on what camp you sit in, may be a good sign or a bad sign. I was of a, this movie's fine, but it's like, it's fun. You know, I think it's fun for anybody mm-hmm. who's not a fan of the Uncharted series or like, yes, is not too familiar that's a with really it, good way because, of putting it, which is where I kind of fall. Like, not that I'm not a fan of the Uncharted series. I just have not played all the games and I'm not super familiar with it. So to me, I went into it and I was like, oh, this is a fun popcorn like action movie for it came out in like January or February or something like that. Um, but from an adaptation standpoint, I don't I don't think <laughs> I would say that's a great adaptation. They could have just re-skinned it as a original IP, but Studios don't trust original IPs, even though they should, as we've seen the top box office hits of the year and whatever. Moving on, but <laughs> yeah, but that's a, they haven't really had an update on God of War series in a while, so not sure where that stands. Um, yeah, and then so you did you want to ask Mel the other <laughs> to know you question that you were talking about before we started recording? Yeah. So uh, some may be unfamiliar, but Mel is very involved in CrossFit, um, killer workout routines. And so I thought a fun get to know you question for you, Mel, would be if you had to create a CrossFit routine for any video game character, who would it be? And what would you have them be? What, what would the, the routine be? Uh, so I thought it was going to be really difficult for me to answer this question. But uh, surprisingly, it came to me a lot faster. I think Mario and Luigi would be great in a (laughs) partner workout. Um, Both of them are highly athletic. So they would have some sort of gymnastic movement. I'm thinking a lot of muscle ups, um, (laughs) specifically on the bar as opposed to the rings. Um, Because they do a lot of butt smashing, if you will, when they're like jumping (laughs) and crushing things, Um, they would do a lot of squats and a lot of wall balls. So Probably some sort of like bar muscle up, wall ball, thruster, something like that. It would be a terrible piece, but um, I think they'd crush it. <laughs> Mario and Luigi have now, to be kicked this, up, if you will. Yeah. Is this <laughs> yeah. Um, pre is this pre mushroom or post mushroom Mario and Luigi? I'm just thinking of the the Super Mario Bros. movie where Mario like can't like jump across and get through the the obstacle course with before eating the mushroom or having the mushroom shoved down his throat. Um, Cause he, I take the mushroom mushrooms. as pre-workout. Okay. Ha, it's pre-workout. I like yeah. I like it. Cause if we're going to put them in, in the real world, they got to do something before they drink or before they start their workout. Right. <laughs> so pre-workout mushroom um, post. Oh God. I don't even know what like a post-workout protein shake situation would be because there's only so many consumables in mario <laughs> i don't know where this there, is going. there's there's many different types of flowers and stars and i mel and i <laughs> watched two- a little bit of super mario wonder last night they could turn into an elephant 
and turn it off. That's their buffed up version after their workout. <laughs> they, I can and just then imagine. to end the night, they take the tanuki leaf and then they, they curl up in their little raccoon suits. Oh. <laughs> so they always cute. look cozy. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, also, I'm taking the blazer off because I keep keying out and I'm going to see if this helps, if it sees that I have arms and this is a shirt. I have arms, guys. I'm not just a floating head because that's going to really bother me. So apologies if anybody's watching this and I just keep disappearing into my background. One day, one day I'll have a better setup and it won't be like this. Um. But no, those are those are great answers, Mel. Thank you so much for entertaining us. But to our Always. main topic, main topic of today, we're here to kind of talk about TwitchCon. Um, Mel and I both went over the weekend just for a couple days. We were short trip, got there Friday morning, left Sunday morning, both bright and early. Not sure how we did it. I'm getting too old for that. Um, but for those who don't know. TwitchCon North America is the annual gaming convention hosted by the prominent live streaming service Twitch, uh, which many creators stream on live. Many of it is video games focused, and it happened over the weekend. It was the the second TwitchCon that to take place in the United States following their COVID hiatus, and the first one that was hosted in Las Vegas. It's been hosted in San Diego. And one other place before, or I'm just thinking of San Diego. Uh, Sam, if you know of another place, chime in. But I they this year was the first one outside of California. Um, I think they've that's done right. a couple other California cities before. Yes, it would. That's right. My brain wasn't remembering. Yeah, they switched between I think SoCal and uh, NoCal. But yeah, first one in Las Vegas. The Anticipated attendance was like in the tens of thousands as of recording. This we're recording this on the Tuesday post TwitchCon, and this will go out on Wednesday. Uh, they have not released official numbers, but I would, from what I saw, it seemed like tens of thousands. But so yeah, that's a little overview on TwitchCon. Mel, what did you think of the show? What were your expectations going into it, and how were they? How was how were those different from reality? Yeah, so looking at, I think you know, I've I've been very fortunate this past year to go to a couple of different um, cons, gaming conferences, events, whatever. Um, and so, in comparison, it was definitely the same kind of high energy. Community is excited. Community is ready to be there. Um, this was our first time going as non industry members, so being able to kind of get into the mix of the community and seeing what they really wanted to see um, was a lot of fun. I think it met my expectations of there were booths that we could go and interact with um, that do their fun little giveaways. They had a beautiful art section um, with so many talented people that like it was easily one of my favorite spots of TwitchCon. Um, And I was actually like pleasantly surprised with how smooth uh, the show floor felt like the flow of the show floor felt really easy to get through. Um, and it was just like, it was just like good vibes to put it simply. Um, people were there to have a good time. And it was very clear that um, I, I, I said this jokingly, but I, I do think it's true. It's a game for gamers by gamers um, and seeing people thrive in their own environment was um, definitely a sight to behold. Yeah. Definitely. It's, I mean, we all know it's a, it's a very community focused event. So it makes sense that the, the emphasis and most important parts of the show kind of revolve around the community. I want to say, I think the show floor was easy to navigate because it was quite sparse. Um, mm-hmm. The, I have not been to past Twitch cons, but from like my research and understanding is this year, the booths themselves were a little bit more lackluster than in the past. However, that is most likely, I'm theorizing here, a response to what happened last year um, when we had participants were injuring themselves in one of the foam pits. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had There was a TwitchCon attendee broke broke their back. Um, 
And so I imagine that might have had something to do with why the the boots were pretty straightforward. They weren't as like they weren't what you would expect if you've been to other cons such as PAX or Gamescom or E3 back in the day. They were very much your like basic just little square boots, little table, um, little meeting rooms, just but nothing nothing that really stood out. I think the thing that stood out the most to us was the Dunkin' the Dunkin' Donuts yep. booth, which was just like I think it was the bright colors. Um it was yeah. a lot of fun. And they had like a little um what do you call those things? The, it was like a pinball machine. Pinball machine. But yeah. Like a giant I pinball didn't machine. Operate, like the same way. Yeah. You like would drop the ball into whatever category and it would like stagger into the bottom ones. Um, and it was, I mean, it was definitely a lot of fun. They had like energy drinks going around, which I, I credit Dunkin' Donuts all the time. Dunkin' Donuts knows how to do their marketing and experiential stuff so well. Um, and they cater to their audiences like perfectly. Like they had literal energy drinks for (laughs) gamers. Like it was perfect. Um, but yeah, I definitely agree that it was the bright and fun colors and, um, they had a PC there that was custom built for Dunkin' Donuts, like Dunkin' Donuts branded. <laughs> and it wasn't just like donuts on there. Um, what is it? Tom's Tom's Hardware did an entire piece dedicated to this this PC alone. And she's a beaut. She really is. But she is so bright yellow. <laughs> she was cute. Um, I honestly, the yeah, the energy drinks are really refreshing. This is like nothing to do with TwitchCon, but... I would <laughs> rather be drinking those than my Red Bull right now, but this is this is what I had within reach of me at the moment. Um, Sam, did you did you get to see any of the show from on social media? What were your impressions of like what were you seeing people talk about? So it's interesting. Yeah, when I hear about TwitchCon, I think about you know panels hosted by streamers. Um, you know both for community and for just sharing insight with other streamers. I almost more so think of the after parties. Uh, you know, last year in San Diego, they had Megan the Stallion, Travis Scott. Oh, and the third artist, I, I just uh, slips me out. I'll look at it right after this. But I think of, you know, this opportunity for all these creators and partners and sponsors to interact after the convention center closes or wraps up. Um, so that's kind of my perception of, of TwitchCon from an outside, you know, view is the show floor mostly, uh, you know, partners and sponsors and, and, uh, hardware companies or are there other things on the show floor that surprised you? Um, yeah, lots of hardware. I think like, that was probably a majority of the booths that were there were some sort of hardware. Like you had, uh yo oh my goodness yamaha is that oh, correct wow. the, yeah. the music yeah thank yeah. you i was i wanted to say yakahama and i was like that's not right <laughs> yamaha um sony had a booth i think they have a new line of kind of like streaming related hardware um i think it's like sony like inline or something like that um many other brands that i had never heard of but just a lot of like new capture cards and there's like there's elgato and you've got like just anything that a streamer needs i know they were also there was an area where they were holding like uh basically streaming 101 like how to create your own setup um what does all of the hardware things mean there was there was a lot of space dedicated for the meet and greets. I feel like that probably took up the most space on the show floor just for the like lines. Um, and then there was also artist alley, which I really liked. Oh, and I didn't grab my things. I could have showed them off, but uh, lots of, lots of artists were there showing off their artwork. And I, I really liked that part. I think that was my favorite part of the show floor just because you get to see all the creativity. Speaking of the panels and stuff, so there were a lot of panels happening all day. Um, and it, we were able to sit in on at least one of them. It was the Women in Gaming. Um, and there were four streamers. And it was just this like really great, honest, open conversation about like what it means to be a woman in gaming, what it means to be um, a streamer um, as a woman. And like it was one of those 
those things where you could see both the insight that was being learned, but also um, it was just a really valuable way to kind of connect with these streamers that I don't think they had the opportunity to otherwise um, with people who are aiming to like be like some of these women streamers. So um, there were definitely a lot of panels that I think, you know, had we had a little bit more time, I would have loved to have sit in on um, and, and listened to. And I think if I was at home, that would be like my primary um, look into TwitchCon for sure. Interesting. Yeah. And of course, m- my primary experience with show floors for events with this job thus far are, are games, uh, you know, running previews and demos, um, whether it's at PAX or Summer Game Fest. Was there much physical games presence on the, the floor? I think the only um, one I remember seeing was Spider-Man on the Sony booth. Interesting. Um, but, Caitlin, do you remember seeing even- any others? Was it even yeah. the Sony? It wasn't okay. Then Sony had two booths because it wasn't in the same spot. It wasn't one of the Sony booths. It was something. Oh. But uh, Meta actually had a pretty big booth, and they were showing off the right. Asgard's Wrath Two. Yeah, Asgard's Wrath Two was shown at TwitchCon. I I actually their booth was kind of cool. The they had individual rooms for people to play the games, and like it was three of the walls were solid, and then one wall that as like you were walking by their booth was glass. And so you got to like see the people and they're with the headsets, like playing the games, which I always really enjoy watching people play VR games. Even if you like aren't seeing what they're seeing, just cause like I, you, no one can play a VR game gracefully. You're going to look silly. <laughs> so I, I thought that was a, a neat little touch to their booth, but yes, they, they were showing and I think this is their first public showing of the game as well. So there there was some games presence, but yeah, not a lot. I'm being harassed by a fly. <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't expect that will like get more like bigger in the future. TwitchCon's just not really the place to show games. I don't know. I mean, if you're building your creators like network Perhaps maybe it's a good addition, but I don't think that's the main benefit of TwitchCon. So that that brings me to what would you say are the main benefits of going to TwitchCon? Yeah, Whether, I, I mean, yeah. from our perspective <laughs> like, or other, you know, partners and companies. Yeah. I, I forgot that I'm technically hosting this episode and I was like, <laughs> hey, like that's, it's, that's it's the a next like, natural Yeah, I was like, that's the next natural question, and I just totally forgot. Um, I mean, yeah, it's it's the creators themselves. It's from an industry, mm-hmm. from our perspective, from PR perspective, the main benefit of it is going there and making connections with creators and other companies. Um, and a lot of that is happening outside of the show elsewhere, um, which we can then talk about, like the location of the show and does Vegas, is that the best spot for that? Um, but yeah, I mean... Mel and I met, like, we met tons of people over the weekend, met some new people, made great connections that I think are going to last for a long time. I I think there's something to say about our industry sort of changing and how we approach, like, coverage when it comes to journalism, just because, as we've seen, there have been tons of layoffs, and there's just not as many reporters to cover games as there once was. So sometimes we have to look elsewhere for coverage and that means creators. And that it's not only because that's our only option. It's also, we look at, look at the influence creators have. I mean, we've seen creators have made or broken games we, among us. Um, Phasmophobia most recently Suica, which saw like, I think it was a 50,000% spike in interest and purchases of the game. People were creating accounts for Nintendo Japan because that was the only place to get the game. Um, Now it's available on Nintendo of America. If you haven't seen it, just look up Suika, S-U-I-K-A. It's a 2048 with fruit, Um, but it (laughs) is kind of blown up. and that is that's just because of streamers. They weren't doing some huge like campaign. I don't unless they 
secretly were. And if that case, I want to talk to the PR team and learn from them because they did an amazing job. Because, but I don't think I saw any sponsored streams. It just was. It was one of those games that kind of took off, and the their uh, their communities ran with it. And yeah, so there's a lot of benefits to working with creators. And TwitchCon is, I mean, that's where you're going to meet them in person. Yeah, agreed. It was definitely one of those places where you you don't expect to meet the kinds of people that you do, or you don't expect to like have a, hey, how's it going conversation turn into like so much more. Or um, even while we were just like around on the show floor, people were running up to each other, excited to finally meet in person. Um, and I think that's something that like post COVID is one of the most valuable things that we can really take from a lot of these conventions and take from just gathering in person again. Like there's so much more uh, when you get to connect with either people that you've known over the internet for forever, or for us, potential clients, um, old clients, new client, whatever it might be, like just meeting people in person, you connect on a way that like, you can't facilitate that online. Yes, Twitch has done a great job of providing the platform to make those connections and to make it as natural as possible and as regular as possible um, for a streamer and their community. But for us in the PR industry, like a lot of what we do is virtual right now. So having that chance to connect with others outside of email or outside of, you know, Google meets or whatever platform you're using, like it's so much more valuable to just be able to like sit and hang out and have a good time um, in a place where like, that's, that's what's meant to happen. So uh, to have Twitch facilitate that, at a convention in Las Vegas, it definitely, um, I don't know, it felt like really good to be there. So then break down the Vegas of it all for me. Like, was this both of your first times at the convention center? How easy was it to do said networking on the show floor? Or did you find that to be mostly an activity relegated to like, you know, the evenings? Yeah, I... The convention itself is, it's nice. I mean, it's kind of what you expect from a, I think it's newly built. So yes, mm -hmm. it looks nice. It's clean. Uh, there's lots of space. However, for networking, like at the show floor, unless I didn't see it, you basically were just like having to set up meetings in hallways and not <laughs> like some of the sitting area was actually roped off by Twitch, I think, for their own, like, personal meetings. So that was a little bit more difficult compared to, like, GDC or Gamescom, where it's, like, there's a lot more areas for you to meet with people and, like, sit down and actually have a conversation. So mm -hmm. in that regard, it's not the best. You can still make it worth, make it work, but you're going to kind of be standing around and having conversations out in the open so not as many like private conversations um for it being in vegas i like vegas <laughs> however um you are taking a group of like some of the most introverted people and you put them in the most extroverted city possible <laughs> i don't think that's a great recipe for success um, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Like, I love Vegas. I think it's fun. I don't, it's not even have to do with gambling. I don't gamble. Uh, <laughs> there's just like with the shows and really great food, but I don't know, you can find somewhere else to do this. And that's not necessarily what TwitchCon needs. Um, the mm -hmm. convention center is a little bit, it's off the strip. You have to take Ubers. The Ubers are really expensive or you have to take the, tesla loop and god forbid i'm gonna go on a tangent and i hate <laughs> hate that tesla loop i don't understand why it's a loop? thing you it's you know not the even underground tunnels it's not even it's not a loop it's oh, like a, okay. it's a line yes yeah it's free for now i was a little confused of why it was free and how it was happening, but you just have a bunch of people in yeah. their Teslas riding around this thing and takes, they're like, do you want to go to, 
what do they call it? Loop South or Loop Central. And that we were like, we're like, we have to get to our hotel, which is at this place. And they're like, oh, that's south of here. Go to the south, the south station. Calling it a station, please. It took us to, to the middle of nowhere in a parking lot outside of like construction and work buildings and your Ubers can't even pick you up in this location. We had to walk down a sketchy road to get to a 7-Eleven till Uber <laughs> pick us up. We were late for dinner. Like it just, um, it doesn't work. So you're going yeah. to spend a lot of money on Ubers in this city that uh, the Ubers are not cheap. And mm-hmm. so I, I don't I think really like- think slip. I don't think it works logistically. Yeah. It's also Vegas right now is a really tough time to be doing this. F1's coming in like a month, not even, you know, it's already a jam packed city with all sorts of people left and right. And like, I get the intention of putting it in a place that's supposed to be exciting and lively. And like, you want to go to all of these really cool places and you know, the, the after parties, yes, really are where you get to see the most people or if they're like sanctioned events and you get invited to them um, or you somehow find your way over, like it's really easy to get in and start talking to people and start networking like that. But Vegas is a massive city for how condensed it is. uh, And there's so much to do. And like, it just, it's like, it's so messy trying to get around in Vegas as it is let alone with the Las Vegas loop that takes you literally from like left to right uh, Ubers and lifts that cost way too much. And just, you got to know where you're going and what you're doing. And if you don't plan ahead, then you're kind of like, all right, what now? So, um, you know, it's, I think it's a learning lesson. I think it's a place that probably we won't see TwitchCon again, but who knows? You know, like once F1's done, once things kind of simmer down in Vegas overall, um, I could see them doing it again as much of a hub as it is. But I know a lot of people were asking for San Diego again. Um, And I personally love San Diego as a city. I love the idea of having it at San Diego again. Um, And I would definitely go go to to TwitchCon San Diego. I don't know about TwitchCon Las Vegas, though. (laughs) I I think the the F1 stuff will work. It'll work out that the F1 Grand Prix is next month um they have to have all the construction done by then the area where the convention center is like new and up and coming so there's a lot of new construction that will be happening i can see that area getting better where it's like okay more like restaurants and hotels and places to like actually have meetings nearby that would be really great if they have a better public transport setting like or yeah, system put in place. That would be good. Vegas does have the HyperX Arena. We did go to the Midnight Society event there. Um, I think I think the HyperX Arena. It's it's fun. Like if you're really into like competitive games and fighting games, they have tournaments all the time. It's it's a good location to have like an event, um, as well as like many other places. I know there is a. There was a Pearl Abyss event at Top Golf that went very well. Um, so there are options, and I think it could get better. But so I wouldn't be surprised if TwitchCon continues to like try and stay in Vegas just to kind of be a little bit closer to the rest of the United States instead of all the way on the coast. San Diego is hard to get to, and Vegas is more of a hub when it comes to uh, air travel. But yeah, we'll see. Maybe they'll head to the other coast. Maybe they'll head like the Midwest. <laughs> you know, maybe right. they'll, maybe they'll end up in Kansas City. Yeah, <laughs> just for Sam. <laughs> Kansas City Convention Center, wide open, calling my name. <laughs> it is interesting. Uh, I mean, you know, no sense doing much speculation, but they have ping ponged quite a bit. Like, started in North America 2015 in San Francisco. 2016 was San Diego, 2017 Long Beach, 2018 San Jose, 2019 and 2022 San Diego. So the, I mean, still there was a large gap between those, but the only time the technically the events were back to back in the same location and now in Las Vegas. So yeah, it'll be interesting when it comes time for them to announce the 2024 locale, should they go somewhere else? Yeah, 
that's I didn't realize how much they ping ponged around. Mm-hmm. How is is it always? Is there European one like always in Paris too? No. They've done like Amsterdam and yeah, they that, ping pong. That's the too? same one. Yeah, 2019 Berlin, 2020 and 2022 the Netherlands, and then this past year was in France, Paris specifically. Interesting. Interesting. So maybe they're just like we're just gonna ping pong around and instead of like find one location to do it every year that is a risky yeah a risky choice yeah i mean i look at vegas and vegas is um one of the sponsors was hyperx so to see that like that is a sponsorship and a location that made sense um now i don't you know i don't know the history of twitchcon (laughs) sponsors but i could imagine that that would be something that plays a role and they would want to be centered in places that they have um active sponsors and and ways to kind of get involved in TwitchCon in different ways. So I'm curious to see, you know, where next year's location is going to be. I wouldn't be surprised if they ended up doing like a PAX East, PAX West kind of deal where they have like a TwitchCon East, TwitchCon West um, and switch it around. But, you know, I, I don't, I don't put a past them to keep experimenting because clearly people are still going, it's still working. And, you know, I don't see, I don't see TwitchCon ending anytime soon. I only see it growing. It's interesting because there is a benefit of these events building some sort of culture or history or tradition that people round around, you know, like people talk about like the Marriott with like E3 or there are certain like I know spots in PAX West that, you know, make a a yearly tradition out of hosting certain things. So it's interesting, the push and pull, the pro con list of moving to different cities, trying to attract different streamers that are a bit more regional versus you know, trying to make a a habit out of sticking in one place and building certain relationships with vendors and um, convention centers, obviously, and, you know, returning uh, clients, guests and booth vendors, uh, knowing exactly what they're going to get out of being in that specific spot. But I don't know, we'll have to see how it goes out next year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I maybe we'll we can find someone to come on the podcast that's got some history and knowledge around TwitchCon that could kind of help us unpack a lot of this. I do want to briefly talk about um, basically one of TwitchCon's like drive for having this convention. Um, Their CMO met with Digiday. I should have the CMO's name. That would be really smart. Sorry about this. Uh, Their CMO, Rachel Delphin, met with Digiday last week, had an interview ahead of the TwitchCon convention to emphasize that they see the show as a way to connect with creators and basically have a dialogue. This is why they have lots of roundtable discussions at the show. Um, They want it to be like, they basically want to have conversations with creators in the moment, receive their feedback in real time, be able to respond to that and then make decisions for the future based on those conversations. Now, this interview, I mean, it's coming from their CMO. Take that with a grain of salt. Um, it's also probably in response to a lot of the challenges that Twitch has faced just this year alone. They have been receiving a lot of pressure to remain profitable um, because Twitch is not a profitable platform. It never has been. It costs a lot to run. They have to. They pay creators a lot of money. They see that as too much. Creators are saying it's not enough. Um, they've tried to update their brand, like partnership guidelines, by basically saying you can't have like specific partnerships for creators to make more money. Meanwhile, they're trying to make it so that it's a 50-50 take with creators instead of the 70-30. Um, so Twitch has, Twitch has been going through it right now. Uh, they've had to go back on some of the changes that they made based on the really harsh response that they've been given so twitchcon is a way for them to you know like humanize themselves um talk with creators in real time and go from there they also on friday they announced that they will now allow streamers to simultaneously stream on any service that they want while they're also streaming on twitch that includes youtube and kick um this is basically a move after they've been bleeding high like talent with Ludwig um, 
the, some of the FaZe Clan, clan members, Saikuno, many more to both Kick and YouTube. And yeah, I, I'm sure they're, I, I don't know what the future of Twitch means based on this. If they're just like really desperate to keep creators. Um, I know creators will, this will just give them more options to make more money. And I'm assuming this means Twitch is going to be trying to take more money from them on Twitch. So they're trying to soften the blow before it comes. But yeah, what what do you guys think about that? I mean, it doesn't have to be in relation to TwitchCon, but just in Twitch in general. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, most topical just this week, um, Kick signed Nick Merckx for a, a $10 million deal for him to go to that platform. So it, it was interesting timing um, having this come right after TwitchCon. I mean, I was even reading at Polygon this week that Kick was hosting an offsite event um, during the TwitchCon weekend. So, um, I mean, I, I think to a degree, this is not going to be the best comparison, but like people are still using Twitter as much as uh, people are upset with the ownership and management of Twitter at the moment. And until there is a, a massive revenue or organizational change at Twitch, I don't foresee the status quo shifting um, in terms of live streaming, that Twitch still being the hub for that. Um, but ultimately I think it's good that it is seeing competition from the likes of YouTube gaming and kick, um, you know, a couple of years ago, it was mixer Facebook gaming is every so often in the mix. So I think it's good, um, that these platforms have to compete to, you know, create the best ecosystem for these creators. And like you rightfully pointed out, TwitchCon is in some ways a product of that. Um, you know, you don't, or at least. There's nothing to my knowledge uh, as high profile from like YouTube gaming as something like TwitchCon is. Um, but at the same time, yeah, the, this new policy of letting streamers simultaneously cast from all these different services uh, is a good way to engender some goodwill should there be any other revenue split changes that come in the near term. Yeah, I think it's really tough if they get rid of Twitch as a platform. Like if it ends up being so... Um, I guess in the red for however long, like it, it's, it seems really unlikely to me that this would be um, something that genuinely like disappears. The, the streaming culture and that community that gets built with it is so deeply ingrained, not only in like the games industry as a whole, but in how a lot of uh, professionals are starting to approach streaming and starting to, you know, like shift what that conversation of the industry actually looks like. So I can imagine that some sort of, you know, competition is obviously good. But at the same time, if you're not supporting these people who are literally shifting the industry and continue to play such a huge role in either the success or the demise of like games, then you know, I think I think it's going to cause a real shakeup down the line. It's the same way that we're looking at journalists now with, you know, the rounds of layoffs. And, and Caitlin, to your point earlier, it's like we are looking at streamers at, as, a, as a new platform to kind of communicate and be part of our messaging teams. Like, it's so vital to have them there. And it's it's one that continues to grow. Um, and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, how both the industry and how these platforms support their creators. But it agreed that it's it's going to be tough to see um, something like this potentially go away, something like this to, to decline in any way, shape, form, um, or just see any like additional difficulty in in this platform that that has become like truly such an integral part of this industry. Yeah, agreed. Well, we'll see. Hey, competition is good. I think, I think Twitch is, they're hearing their creators. Um, we'll see if they continue to make good changes like the simulcast, simulcasting. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think I have any more to say that hasn't already been said. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, just one quick final fact check. It was Kim Petras. It was Travis Scott. Uh, Megan Thee Stallion and Kim Petras at last year's TwitchCon. Uh, if anybody was hanging on a thread wondering who the third artist performing at last year's TwitchCon was. I, I, I really was. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, of course. <laughs> well, 
I think that's I think there's our discussion on TwitchCon. Um I don't think I have any other further antidotes to share about it. But yeah, I think I think we could talk a little bit about Spider-Man. Is it time to swing into another topic? Hey, yo, oh, let's so do good. it. <laughs> so good. Uh, Caitlin, I believe uh, as someone who is still working their way, because I've heard the DLC of even Spider-Man 2018 is uh, important to Spider-Man 2. As someone who is uh, polishing the platinum on Spider-Man right now, uh, Mel, are you? have you played Spider-Man 2 at all? I have not. I, so... Here's my little, my tandem. I uh, have been an Xbox gal for the last couple of years. I used Whoa. to be PlayStation only, and I only recently made the switch. And now I am um, absolutely fiending for a PlayStation and for Spider-Man 1 and 2. Um, to be fair, I watched, I streamed a lot of Spider-Man, like the first Spider-Man, and I loved it. I, you know, would love to sit and play it. But um, your girls, your girls got an Xbox right now, and that's kind of where <laughs> we're sitting at. So fingers crossed that I get to get into it later this year, but I've been I've been loving the hype around it so much so far. So then yeah, let me throw it to Caitlin. Like... What what are your first impressions? Because you're actually playing it. I, I am. I am playing it. Um I will be on a friend's show reviewing it um later this week. I will link to his show. His show's on YouTube. He is a reviewer for movies and TV shows. Uh he asked me to come on and review Spider-Man 2 with him. So I'll share more details later when that's up. I'll also talk about it and link it here. But yeah, so I, I'm currently playing Spider-Man 2. And my thoughts are like, I mean, hey, if you liked Spider-Man and you liked Miles Morales, you're going to love this game. Um, it is, it feels the same. I mean, it's it's very much everything that you loved about those games and more. Um, Insomniac did a phenomenal job. It just it feels so good to be swinging around New York. The, as you, if you're seeing on screen, you've got to see a little bit of the, the web, the web wings. Um, those feel just amazing to kind of glide around and find where the wind is and like help that guide you throughout the city. It's a, it's a great way to fast travel. Um, even though there, there is fast travel in this game. I have not once used it. I, I don't know why anybody would. It's just like, there's just so much joy in swinging around the city. Um, the combat feels as as good as it did in previous games. A lot of it is very similar. However, now you get to kind of switch between Peter and Miles. Peter's um, fighting abilities are a little bit more like brawler-like. And Miles has really satisfying electric abilities that are useful both useful in their own ways in combat. I think Insomniac has added more enemy varieties this time around, and each one kind of reacts differently to the different types of fighting maneuvers that you have between Peter and Miles. So sometimes you want to switch between the two of the characters. And yeah, I mean, also switching between the two of them is super easy, really satisfying and yeah, you can basically do it at any time. You can pull up, as you can see on the screen, you can pull up the app. You can switch between Peter and Miles. Or the game will have you do it naturally as you progress through the main story. Um, and yeah, speaking of main story, I I won't say anything about it other than I really like it. It's a, I think it's one of their strongest stories yet. Um, I haven't finished it, so I can't really compare it yet between the two but i'm really enjoying this one i miles is my favorite of the two previous um installments but we're, we're getting enough miles in this one that i'm like I'm, I'm satisfied i'm happy i like the peter story as well i like how everything is kind of coming together so yeah those are those are my high level thoughts <laughs> How about you, Sam? And you said you're already going. You're already platinuming it. No, I'm still trying to platinum the first game. I've beaten the game oh. uh, the, uh, 2018. I am working okay. through the crimes, um, which I know some people found tedious, but I think that game is just so fun to play that I don't mind. Although, of course, like I don't want to burn myself out on the Spider-Man gameplay when it comes time for me to finally play two. But I, that's a bridge I'll cross when I get to it. 
Um, <laughs> speaking of that, like uh, thoughts on the side content, like as c- compared to Spider-Man one and Miles Morales, are you enjoying the stuff outside of the main story? Um, I feel like I have the same complaints as I did in the past two, where I feel like their open world exploration leaves a lot to be desired. Um, it's, it's hard. I'm like, I'm trying not to compare it to different types of games because they're very different, but a lot of the, a lot of the side stuff feels it's very repetitive. I still really enjoy a hundred percent completing those games. I did it with, I think miles and Spider-Man one. Um, but I don't know. It's just, it's not as exciting, I think, as it could be. And there's not a lot of variety. I like, so it feels like sacrilegious to like talk bad about it. Cause at the same time, I'm like, (laughs) I still really enjoy it. I think it's just because it's a lot of the same as the last couple games. I don't think insomniac really branched out enough in that regard, but I don't know. It also feels like they were kind of rushed on releasing this game. Um, not so much because of like bugginess, but there are just some other features that are missing. Like you used to be able to change from day to night in the game, like when you wanted. Um, God, it's such a, such a small complaint. But when it's missing, you're like, <laughs> why is this not in the game? Like, did they just forget? Uh, do they not have enough time? I, guys, I want to do my photo mode and choose the time of day it is. And like, or I want to like, fly around New York when it's nighttime and not have to like wait until the story just depicts nighttime or like decides that it's going to be night. So that that's an know. interesting point though, because I mean, Insomniac is extremely productive, like aspiringly. So um, just in the last five years alone, 2018. So the release of the first Spider-Man game, 2020 was miles Morales, which of course, yeah, was, was sold at a, a budgeted price, $50 as compared to $70, but still a, a fulfilling game from all that I've heard the following year was ratchet and clank rift apart. And now two years after that, we have Spider-Man two. So um, I think, A, I mean, you're not alone in the complaints. I know IGN's review, uh, Kind of Funny's Blessing at AOEA Jr., um, a few others had complaints about, you know, the open world feeling uh, a little stagnant or, or at least overly familiar um, to the previous games. Uh, and that's interesting about certain features that were left out um, as opposed to the first game or Miles Morales. Uh Another thing, though, speaking of the open world, that has been a, I won't call it like a hot button issue, but people on the internet be complaining, and I want to talk about it because it's a personal <laughs> issue to me, and that is game length. Um, Brian Inthahar, the director, um, I'm going to make sure I get his creative director of the game, was speaking with BBC um, because, of course, as I just noted, Miles Morales uh, launched at $50, um, Spider-Man 2018, which released five years ago, released at $60 because that was the price of new games at the time. And this game, Spider-Man 2, is about the same length as that, um, but it's $10 more expensive, and people on the internet were very upset about that. Um, and so <laughs> speaking with BBC, uh, Brian Anthar responded to you know thoughts on the, you know people complaining about the game length, and he said, I feel confident in saying that the $70 price for the content in it is worth it. Um, he continued for us, it really comes down to the experience we want to deliver with the quality we want to hit. Obviously there's a certain level of, Hey, someone's going to spend this much money on a game. So we want to give them the experience that's worth it. Our job is to make sure that you feel no matter how long it is, it's worth that money. It's worth that investment. Um, is, is game length something important to either of you two? Personally, as someone who has very limited time to play games, uh, short games appeal to me a lot. Or even these big AAA ones, if they're going to be longer, and, and and to me, 15 hours isn't long in the case of Spider-Man 2, I just want it to be paced well. And it sounds like from everything I've heard, Caitlin, you mentioned in the story, that the main content itself is paced very well. And I think I would rather have that than something that's twice as long uh, and just feels padded or bloated. Yeah. Yeah. It's, People just want to complain. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, I... Okay. I understand people being like, oh my God, like it's a, it's a higher price. Like, is it worth it? Can't be worth it. But they don't, if they haven't played it yet too, can you, can you actually <laughs> even say that? 
It's just, there's, <laughs> there's more. I don't know. The story is amazing. It's, it's a great game. It definitely feels worth the price as I'm playing it. Um, I don't know. I, yeah. 15 hours to 20 hours is a, that's a full game, a game that is five hours in, but it has like, it's what the developers decided it, they wanted it to be. That's a full game experience. Hours does not matter when it comes to a game. That That's not what people should be judging a good game experience by. If you are, I, I don't know what's wrong with you. Go play a live service <laughs> game that never ends. <laughs> Some of them are free. And you don't even have to go and pay for any of the other stuff if you don't want to. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm not entirely sure how we as like community society industry has gotten so stuck on equating the cost of a game to like how long it is. I might be using words wrong there, but you know what I mean? Um, yeah. That's, that's not what drives a game's price point. Yeah. I think a lot of it for me is I actually love the fact that Spider-Man's 15 to 20 hours long as somebody, Sam, like you said, like I don't have a lot of time to play games. I uh, I want to still be able to experience like the triple A intense, um, like momentous gameplay without having to sink over a hundred hours and feel like I really got through a game and said that like I gave it my all. Um, I think there's definitely a lot of value in games that are lengthier that have that much more content and whatever but from what i've seen of spider-man and you know it's it's what continues to get me excited is like i look at those cutscenes and i'm like this looks like a story that i'm going to sit and enjoy watching or watching like the gameplay it's so intense and as somebody who um just generally i love spider-man as a superhero i've loved spider-man since the very first sony movie um, I'm that much more excited to learn about, you know, the Spider-Verse and learn more about the the Spider-Man story as a whole. So for me, looking at it from the perspective of a fan of Spider-Man, like $70 is well worth it because, you know, I look at it as another entry into the movie or into just the general like world. Um, but as a standalone game, like Spider-Man aside, it's got everything that I would be asking for from a game. And that's why I, I'm, I'm looking forward to playing it as much as I am. Because, again, the cinematics are there. The gameplay looks like it's there. The story looks like it's there. And, like, you tell me that I get to swing around a town and, like, I don't have to complete a mission if I don't want to. I get to just, like, swing around and enjoy the work that was put in by these developers. Like, sign me up. I am here for good games. And <laughs> I know like how much love gets put into all of these games. And so um, I know it's like a big feat to have people really care about, you know, the the backings of developers and why they care about these games so much. But I think that's what like makes games like this that much more special. Yeah, you both make a good point about like, it's not fair, as Caitlin said, to equate, um, you know, price MSRP for the length of the game. And, and Mel, like you just pointed out, like price... Or, or the value of a game and the worth of it goes beyond so much more than just how much content and it. it's like how's, what's the quality of the story the production value like you know this game is pushing the ps5 from a technical perspective probably more so than anything else this generation the way that you can it's so cool if i i, I wish i would have pulled b-roll for it but if you're playing the game I, i've watched people stream and do this um rather than you know pick pre-selected fast travel points you can just select a point on a map and it just the the city then just comes in around you and you're flying into that point it's that's that's the power of the ssd baby um <laughs> as, as mark cerny would tell you at the launch of the ps5 but all that goes to say like you said caitlin such a funny industry issue to have because like movies have the inverse problem people complain when they're too long um but at the same time people aren't like oh man oh I paid $15 to see Killers of the Flower Moon this weekend. How come I didn't only pay seven and a half to see Pixar's Elemental this summer when it's half as long? Uh, it just feels so silly. <laughs> You're going to send me on a whole other rant because I just, it doesn't matter how long a movie is. If it's paced well, 
it's yes. not gonna feel like a three and a half hour movie. I just I caramba, I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> People are testing my patience and I don't understand why like that's the thing to complain about. I don't know, complain about inflation and other problems. Yeah. <laughs> Have let's let's universal basic income, something. Give us more money, give us more disposable income. And then maybe it won't be such a big deal. I like that feels like more like the root of the problem and not so much. Oh, this game isn't long enough to justify the price or this movie is too long to, or too short to justify the price. Like that is not where the price comes from. It's, it's all a balance. There's so many more aspects to a game. And I'm sorry if that is what you're judging a game on. Cause that's not right. Ultimately, for the sake of this podcast in our industry, I did like Brian's answer <laughs> of being like, you know, the the yeah. the price is worth it. Like what we're delivering you, like the, uh, you know, not just the 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 again the length itself, but everything included in the package is worth the price of admission. In the same way that I freaking loved Martin Scorsese being like, you sit at home and binge eight hours of TV. You're telling me you won't go to a theater and watch a three and a half hour movie? Like, I don't another, know. That's a bit more another spicy, Scorsese but. win. <laughs> Add it to the list of Scorsese wins because that man is always right whether people want to agree or not. Um, yeah. They wanted yeah. to give him a lot of slack years ago about his Marvel comments. Honestly, I might have been a little salty when I was deep in my Marvel phase too. But the man was right, and we they, should say it. Okay? aged well. <laughs> it, yeah. Um, after we found out that like the Marvel shows don't have a Bible book, like there's no, I, there's like no showrunners on their shows. <laughs> I, what are you doing? I Scorsese was right. Okay, put it that on my tombstone. I'm gonna say it till the day I die. He was. He always <laughs> has been. Always will be. Um, I I will say this is just a funny thing, but like. Maybe the game's not worth it because I want Venom and I'm where's Venom? <laughs> the game, the main story takes so long to get to Venom and I'm dying here. They maybe it wasn't paced well enough. Maybe it should be even shorter. Get to the Venom content earlier. <laughs> On just just for me, put me in charge of anything that Venom's in, included in because he's gonna show up. Bright and early, baby. Let's go. <laughs> they add Caitlyn mode, which just cuts to the Venom content earlier. <laughs> yep. I I, I <sighs> do. I do. I am a big fan of Venom. And um, I tried really hard not to see spoilers, but I saw some spoilers. And I was really excited for said spoilers to come through. Um, but to the point of, like, the the game's length, I think something fun about this, and it's something that Caitlyn and I, like, watched this weekend, is just being able to stream the entire thing in one session, it's going to be a crazy session, but how many games can you say that you can do that with that still provide that same like intense, I'm going to lose this fight against this boss or whatever, or like, I'm going to get frustrated in this spot, but still be able to continue and like really enjoy the game. I've had too many experiences where like I will be playing a game and I lose and I keep losing, and I keep losing, and then I put down my remote and I walk away, and then I don't pick the game back up. The fact that there are games like this that are short enough where it's like, okay, I'm going to lose, I'm going to try a couple times, but I know that I'm about like, I don't know, 35% of the way through. That feels a lot better to me than knowing that I am losing so much at 35%, but getting to 100 is going to take me like three times as long because the game takes that much longer. Like, I'm not... <laughs> I'm not good at games, okay? I am a lowercase g gamer, and I am fine with that. <laughs> but the fact that, like, being able to have the opportunity to still finish the story and, like, feel good about my gameplay is what I need out of a game. So, long story short, I am very excited to get into Spider-Man and play it for myself instead of watching streamers play it because Lord knows I need a good gaming experience in my life soon. <laughs> Basically, put easy mode in all the games for Mel so that she could just quickly <laughs> for me specifically, play please. Game. Just for me, well, there's like a Mel them. mode and there's a Caitlyn mode, <laughs> and the Caitlyn mode can be a little bit harder. But there's Venom in it. I don't care what game it is. Just add Venom to your game. What are you doing? He's such an add interesting game. All games from here on out. All 19 all inches Venom. of them. 
<laughs> I was waiting for somebody to reference it. I was like, is it going to be me I, or is it going to be somebody else? No, I have yep. been thinking about it since we started talking about Spider-Man. I just didn't have the right, there wasn't the right <laughs> moment. That was the right moment. Well, I think you can't beat a 19 inches of Venom joke. So I think we're going to have to end this Spider-Man conversation or Spider-Man 2 conversation there. Unless anyone else has anything left to say about the game. Do you want my dissertation about Venom and all the 19 inches of Venom? I'm sorry. Okay, we're done. <laughs> uh, no, I I think that's I think that's it for now. Yeah, I'll, I'll hold the rest of my Spider-Man thoughts. Um, because I could keep going for another day. Maybe once I've finished it, maybe we'll later on, we'll do a more in-depth Sam after you've played it. Or you're planning on playing it, correct? Of after course. Yeah, for sure. Platinum. In, in yeah. Caitlin mode. <laughs> Fantastic. All right. Well, yeah, I guess, sorry. Once again, I'm forgetting that I'm actually hosting today. Uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, Melanie, thank you so much for joining us. Where can people find you on the internet? I am at Melanie Gazaz on all platforms. So you can find me on Zitter, Twitter, whatever you want to call it, Instagram. <laughs> um, I also have a bookish account. So if you like books, I'm the bookish Mel. Um, also on all platforms. So check me out there. Great. I always forget that you have a bookish account. We just keep doing book things and I forget. Um, <sighs> Sam, where can people find you? You can find me everywhere at Sam Scott Mosier, um, including on what, what, what is bookish? I, I I'm on Goodreads. Is bookish a different platform? Is bookish like your book no. account? Book. Yeah. Bookish. Yes, it's like it's a bookish all my book account. accounts. Oh, that's cool. Okay. I'm gonna have to give that a follow. <laughs> yeah. Caitlin, where can I'm people find you? I'm also on Letterboxd. <laughs> Oh, yes. She is. We've we've converted her. We have another one. One they of have. us. One of us. <laughs> one of us. Anyway. Best out. <laughs> yeah, we're we're all on Letterboxd for all of our unhinged reviews. Maybe I should go watch Venom this week. Just like, you know, as a treat <laughs> for myself. Timely. Five five star movie. Obviously. Um, everyone can find me at Caitlin Redwing across all platforms. Um, Letterboxd, Twitter, Instagram probably others goodreads if you're also into books because we talk about everything here and you can find the podcast at real-time strats again on twitter youtube all podcast platforms at on real-time strategy and you can email us at podcast at triple point pr.com for if you, anything you want us to talk about you've got a guest for us let us know we'd love to hear from you thank you once again for listening or watching and until next time goodbye <laughs>